Aquarian Schultz, presented by the Good Feet Store, with locations in Fishers, Avon, and Greenwood. They're back from ignoring each other the entire break. You're listening to Aquarian Schultz on Fox Sports 97.5 and 1260 AM. Welcome back, Quarian Schultz, here on Fox Sports 97.5. Thanks to Peyton Ramsey for joining us. You forget about spring football. It kind of gets lost in the shuffle here with everything else that we have going on. The Masters, the NBA playoffs are about to start. And I was thinking to myself, God, who would be the world's foremost authority to not only talk Masters, but also talk about the Pacers in the NBA playoffs? And I was like, who do I know that is a golf enthusiast, likes cigars, knows his way around the Pacers and also likes to bring us free stuff whenever the Pacers are in the playoffs. And I was like, Eddie White is that guy. And he's with us here in studio right now. Thanks for the cookie cake, my man. This oh, looks no great. Problem. It's playoff time. You know, I show up either uh, season opening week or playoffs with the Kroger cookie and the, it is the playoffs. We're pumped up about it. This has got to be like the Eddie White time of the year, right? Is this your favorite week of the year, Masters and then the start of the playoffs? It is. It is. I, I, I'm, I've been You got blessed. the shirt on and everything. I've I mean, you got blessed. the Augusta logo, I, the whole I, deal. You know, I went to 20 consecutive Masters. Oh, my I, God. I haven't been back in about eight <laughs> years since with the Pacers because we've been playing games. And then I got really fortunate to play Augusta with Chairman Payne. And it's – um. It, it, it is just, it, yeah, it, it's the great, it's heaven on earth. It, it should be on anybody's bucket list. There's nothing like it. And I always describe it. It's like nothing wrong with Shadeland Avenue, but it's like driving down <laughs> Shadeland Avenue, which is Washington Street in Augusta. Yeah. And then you pull into the gate and there's heaven. I mean, there's this place that the, the it's hilly. There, you, you think it's flat. It, it, it's nothing but flat. It's anything but flat. And it's just the, the greatest course, the greatest tradition. Uh, you know, it's such a hard ticket to get to, to get, um, I love it. I love it. And, uh, I look forward to Sunday cause I'll be watching the Pacers on one TV and I'll be watching the masters on the other. It's what a couple hours from Atlanta. So is it in a, is it's it in about, a rural area of, it's, of, it's, of Georgia no, it's or about two, two and a half two forty five from Atlanta. And, um, you know, Bobby Jones created the course to have a place for the, the people of New York and the Northeast to come down and play on their way to Florida and, you know, he started that Invitational, was it 70, 80 years ago? And, and it's just caught on. And, and I think it's if you love golf, the reason it stands out among the other three majors is that this is the one that it's always there. You know, Super Bowls move around. Uh, NBA Finals move around. Um, the other three golf majors move around. But it's always there. It's the same course. And when if you're a golf nut or you, just, you, you tune in that one week to watch golf, we know what 16 looks like. We know 18 has to shoot off the tee box. Um, we know of 10, Rory going way left to get into the cabin years ago. I mean, we know the course. Mm-hmm. You, you may not have been to Augusta, but you know it. If I say 17, you know what it's like. You know what 12's like, the, the par 3, 13. I mean, you know them all. And it's it's just, uh, you know, Jim Nance is right. It's a tradition like none other. And, you know, there's no sky boxes. You know, there's no seats. Everybody brings it. And the coolest thing is people get there early in the morning. They put down their chair, and then they go walk the course, and the chair stays there. No one touches it. No one <laughs> runs. Everybody's on their best behavior. Uh, and, you know, you, you mentioned I love cigars. I love cigars. So, you know, people walk around smoking cigars. But when I played Augusta, I was about on the fourth hole or something like that, and I said to Porter Payne, who's the son of Billy Payne, the chairman, who was our host, I said, Porter, I said, are you allowed to smoke cigars on the course? And Porter beat it goof says to his dad hey, hey dad he, uh, eddie wants to know could you pl- smoke cigars mr pink comes over and i'm thinking oh my god i'm gonna get thrown off after the fourth <laughs> hole and not complete the round and mr Payne says eddie 
we encourage cigar smoking at the National. They call it, the members call it the National. Nice. And I said, great. Boom. I lit up. I said, let's go, baby. <laughs> and, uh, and played, and it was uh, probably the, it, no, no doubt, the greatest. Go- I've had a hole-in-one. I played with all these celebrities and stuff like that. The greatest golf experience I've ever had was playing Augusta National. We've talked with you about your working capacity at Super Bowls and things like that and at Notre Dame and with the Dolphins. What was your working capacity at Augusta? Well, most of the time I was there as a fan. Oh, were you? I, were you I, okay. I, I enjoyed it. You and, said and, 20 straight, so I didn't know if t- you were working tickets, it or not. I mean, the, the, I, I got tickets. The, the first, oh, six or seven, there's a, a friend of mine. He worked for me at Notre Dame, and his dad was Jack Nichols' first ever employee. So Andy was the first one that got me a, a ticket. They'd be like, hey, I can get you one ticket for Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year I get you one for Thursday. I get you one for Friday. I get you one for Tuesday. So I would go through that route. And then I met uh, Porter Payne through my wife through soccer and uh, met Mr. Payne. And Porter, uh, the one year, said, hey, I told him how I get my tickets. He goes, well, just let me know what you want. I said, well, well, I think our son was five or six. And I said, I'd like to bring my wife and son. So that year he got me three tickets and got his badges. And we went inside, went over to the media center. And my son, who ended up growing up to be a big Ohio State fan, uh, got oh, I'm sorry. to do right outside the, uh, <laughs> the media center. He did OH to arguably the se- at least the second greatest Buckeye of all time. One is Jesse Owens to Jack Nicholas. Mm-hmm. He went OH, and Jack kind of paused and went, I-O? And, 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 wow. and then he went inside and got his picture like Sergio and Phil and Freddie and all these guys. And then, and then I'd go back every year, Mr. Payne, and say, I'd say, can I get one ticket? I never abused it. I never said I'm bringing buddies. I always went by myself, and I'd get a Wednesday, Thursday. I'd get Tuesday, Wednesday. And over the years, I mean, I, I mean I've been going, again, that's a long time. So I haven't been there in eight years. Went for 20 straight. Like I saw when, when it was Byron Nelson and Gene Sarazen and Sam Snead yeah. doing the ceremonial, and then one of them passed. It was only two, and then the other one passed. only one. I mean, I saw Arnie's last round. I saw Jack's last round. I saw Tiger's first round yeah. as an amateur. He wore an oversized Stanford polo shirt. Um, Did you I, see all of Tiger's wins? No, 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 no. I saw Tiger's first round. Okay. I saw Tiger's first round. I didn't know if you if you saw in those 20 years, oh, yeah, would, would, the first, would they have the, taken the all couple, of the yeah, wins? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, you know, but I'd go for like, I never went for like four days. I never went for the week. I'd always gotcha. go for either one day a year or two days a year. And then um, the, the cool, there were two, two things that happened that was cool. That um, One was uh, they had a lightning delay and they were going to clear the course. And I was flying out the next morning out of Atlanta. So I said to Porter, I said, hey, I, I might as well pack up. You know, I'm going to take off and he goes hold on a second he calls his dad and his dad says tell eddie don't leave yeah we're gonna clear the course but we're gonna play again said, okay okay so I, i'm sitting in the cabin in mr Payne's mr Payne's cabin with uh two other members in green jackets and ray floyd walks in and, and uh the guy who passed seven by asteros walks in and they're just talking telling stories mm-hmm. i'm just sitting there with diet coke listening thinking this is the greatest day of my life all of a sudden they <laughs> resume play i go back out there's like five people on the course it was like the Greater Milwaukee Open. I'm walking yeah. Augusta, and nobody's there. So I did that, and then um, I'll never forget when I got the call. Uh, it was uh, early May. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, early May. Maybe end of April. From Porter saying, my dad wants to know, what are you doing the end of May? And I said, nothing. If I think what he's asking, he goes, yeah, he wants you to come down and play Augusta National. Oh, my God. I got the crooked stick with Tony Pancake. I said, I have to have a, two lessons a week for four weeks. I can be the best 17 <laughs> handicap I can be. And I remember out there one day I'm warming up to play, and Peyton Manning's on the range. And I know Peyton goes Augusta every year. And, I, you know, I could be an idiot. I say, hey, Peyton, I said, uh, you play Augusta? And he goes, yeah, I play every year. I said, oh. So when you play, uh, do you play with a member? He goes, well, yeah, you have to play. Oh, you, you have to play with a member. Okay. Well, I'm going to go in a couple weeks. I said, but I'm not playing with a member. He goes, what? I go, I'm playing with the chairman. Of Augusta National, because between when Mr. Payne invited me 
to when I actually went down there. Between mm-hmm. that that four week period, it was announced he was the new chairman. And in fact, when they did the passing of the baton, it was the night before Porter and I got to Augusta, and Mr. Payne wanted his first round as chairman to be with his son Porter. It just happened to also be with Porter's friend from Atlanta and me. So we get to the first tee. The Ped Pro comes wow. out, and, and Billy says, this is our <laughs> friend Eddie Wyatt from Crooked Stick. And how you doing? We're schmoozing, bada-bing, bada-boom. And now we're going to hit. And Mr. Payne says, Eddie, my back's been bothering me, but I think we could take him. Let's play old guys versus the young guys. So the trivia, golf trivia question of all time is, Billy Payne's first official round as chairman of Augusta National, who was his playing partner? It was you, me. yeah. It was me. That would happen to you, though, it, yeah, right? It, it was. It was. The this is just your life. This it, is. I, these been, things happen to you. And, you know, and, and we're about the fourth, fifth hole, and you know, I'm not that good, but I love the game. And you keep moving, and I have an approach shot, and the caddy's name is VJ. He had the white outfit, you know, and stuff, and he says, "Mr. White, your approach shot needs to land in the middle." Listen to this: the middle of the back left quadrant. You'll hear the word quadrant used a lot this week on the broadcast. Mm. The middle of the back left quadrant. If it lands anywhere else on the ground, on the green, you're kind of screwed. I said, VJ, have you seen my game? <laughs> I'm trying to advance the ball in that general direction. Sure, yeah. Middle of a back uh, left. Are you yeah. out of your mind? Yeah, like you could just I, drop it yeah, right you're there, right? Crazy. Yeah. I have no idea where the hell I hit it, but uh, but it was uh, it was. And, and my favorite hole, hole in all of golf. I played Augusta, I played uh, St Andrews, Cypress, Pine Valley, and, and is the 16th at, at Augusta. And I was so nervous, and I hit a I hit a deep. And I had a long ass putt for birdie. And knocked it up like five feet and made it for par. I parred sixteen. Wow! I could have retired right yeah. there. And then we played the short game course and went up in the crow's nest. I got laid in the bed and that. And I'm trying to steal like the garbage cans, the napkins, the silverware. <laughs> Figure I'm never going to be here again. I'm taking everything that's not. Do they all down. have the United States huh? with the hole in one logo yeah, on on everything? Basically, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm stealing everything yeah. you can take. But it was it was phenomenal. That is cool. Uh, while we have you here, I want to talk Pacers as well, oh, yeah. even though we could tell Master Stories all day because I'm fascinated by it. Uh, nice win last night. I know that it was kind of a throwaway game, but I'm I'm big on the Edmund Sumner train. I think that he's going to be a good player for them in the future. I talked to Mark Monteith in a postgame show, and, and I asked his perspective. He said, and I, you saw the veterans' response at the end of the game. It was the neat. Last minute. It was yeah. really cool. He said, they we, the whole franchise needed that. And he said, what is good about it is, one, for short term, you saw what T.J. Leaf could do. I mean, Atlanta was playing their starters. Now, they're, now, they're not a playoff team, mm-hmm. but that, they got some pretty good young players. Collins yep. is a monster, and Trey Young's going to be great. Uh, but, you know, T.J. Leaf, we saw what he could do. Sumner, we certainly saw what he could do, how they got some more minutes. So it was like and, – and to say that, hey, we matched the same number of wins we had last year with Victor. I mean that's a that's a big thing for the for the kids to have confidence wise going into the postseason. It's going to help you, not one iota against Boston, but mentally, it, it TJ feels better. Uh, Sumner has to feel better. I think Kevin Pritchard has to feel really good about seeing what some of his guys can do. And um, you know who knows TJ may get more minutes in the postseason than we thought. He may hey we can get foul trouble and he mm-hmm. has to play and you know and if he just has plays with some confidence, he, we see what he can do. We know who we're playing. I mean, they're better than the Pacers. Uh, a lot of people thought they were going to win the East. Uh, they obviously are a team with some issues. And I agree with the, the, the narrative out there that if the Pacers could steal one of those first two, 
that could be jump on the, them early. The, that yeah. could be the little match that goes off in the forest and ends up being a forest fire with Kyrie Irving losing his mind, and all of a sudden you come back home one one. You know, win a couple, and all of a sudden you got a series. This schedule couldn't be more perfect for you guys over at Banker's Life, right? You got a Friday night eight thirty tip for Game Three, and then I love afternoon playoff basketball. Yep. I wish we'd have more afternoon games. But yeah, it it'd be great if you guys days. open up the window and the whole deal. That'd yeah, be, well, that'd we be did great. That the last home game, and then the sun started to come in, and I'm not sure if uh, Brooklyn <laughs> complained about it or whatever, but we had to shut it right quick. But um, yeah, it's good to have the ones uh, obviously up in Boston on Sunday, and then come back. Uh, but good Friday evening, yeah, and then the Easter Sunday. So I mean, you can work you, out. You go to church and get your Easter bonnet and come on down to Banker's Life at one o'clock. Pacers.com for tickets and all that. And yes. uh, it should be a, a great atmosphere. What is it? The gold don't quit. Is that what gold you guys are giving quit, away? Which is kind of, you know, I, I, I remember back in Philadelphia when the Sixers did make the finals one year and they came out with a slogan next year, we owe you one. Mm-hmm. Which, no. And then they lost. <laughs> and then the media like, what? Now we owe you two. We owe you three. We owe you five. Sometimes slogans are a little malarkey. But this one, I think, is flat out real because mm-hmm. you, you know where we were that week after Victor went down. We sure. were rudderless. I mean, it, it was scary that this thing could fall apart, and they didn't quit. They they got some resolve, and it's like the perfect thing. It's gold, don't quit, and, um, you know, we'll have the gold out, T-shirts, the whole nine yards, and uh, we're looking forward to it. It's gonna, there's nothing like NBA playoff basketball. It's fun. Pacers post game on the Pacers Radio Network after Sunday and Wednesday's game one and two, and then we'll see you uh, a week from Friday at Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Should How be great, Eddie. For us, two guys from the East Coast who have adopted Indiana as our home, who love this state and everybody in it and what it stands for, to have a intellectual conversation and not be interrupted <laughs> by this orange thing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I just, tell you that every time they come it's in. It's so refreshing yeah. not to be interrupted and go, uh, uh, what, what, what are you putting on your hair? Yeah, what's, what's, what's your what's, hair what's, what's, what's on your yeah. hair? And, and, and Derek? Counting uh, your name drops. Yeah, and they're yeah. <laughs> giving you a hard time about you know wearing a sleeveless shirt or something like that. What is wrong? Is he perfect? He's no. He thinks he is. He's perfect he in his own world. He does think he is, but, he, yeah. but we love him. We love him. Somebody has to have a lunatic relative, and I guess he's ours. I'll, I'll let you say that. Yeah. Thank you, Eddie. Appreciate right, Eddie. it. Be good. Uh, it's the great Eddie White. We'll come back with more Pacers talk in the 5 o'clock hour. It's Corey and Schultz, Fox Sports 97.5. Quarry and Schultz, presented by the Good Feet Store, with locations in Fishers, Avon, and Greenwood. This was their city before it was Victor Oladipo's. This is Quarry and Schultz on Fox Sports 97.5. God, with the way those Eddie White stories go, I don't know about you, Sam, but sometimes I'm like, when is he going to get to the part where Tiger Woods randomly stops him at Augusta and says, hey, you're Eddie White from the <laughs> right. Pacers postgame show. Like, that's how I feel it's going to go sometimes. He he really is. And I mean this as a compliment. He's like the Forrest Gump of Indianapolis sports, right? <laughs> where he's he's had all of these amazing things in his life from and and you know Eddie's worked for it too he's a PR guy for many many years and working for the NFL and Logo Athletic and I think which became Reebok and and all the people that he's been able to meet and you know these sports these huge sports figures and hall of famers that he's able to call friends but it is interesting I know Jake sometimes is a jerk about it and rolls his eyes at some of those stories but I think they're great I mean I you know, the fact that he is the first person to play the first round with the chairman of uh, Augusta National, it's just such a random occurrence that it would work out that way. But, of course, it works out that way for Eddie. And he does a great job on the Pacers postgame show. I'm excited about the Pacers playoffs just because I'm looking forward to finally getting done. The, the NBA's regular season is so tedious that I'm excited about getting to the games that actually matter. Playoffs are pretty tedious, though, too. 
Yeah, you're right. I'm not a fan of the that seven is a good first point. round series. That is a good point. The first round goes forever, and I would go back to the best of five days if Absolutely. it were up to date. And no, no days off between games in the same location. We may be setting a record on today's show. I don't know if we've ever had three in-studio guests on the same day, but we have three in-studio guests on the same day. Scott Wise joined us in the 4 o'clock hour. Of course, Eddie White just now. And another guy who I like, who's famous in his own right, you may know him from his AP recaps of not only Pacer sports, but Indianapolis sports in general. Also spent some time in the state house as well. He is the very well-rounded Corey Elliott, who joins us now. What's up, man? How are you? <laughs> very well-rounded. That's a nice compliment. I'll take it. Yeah, I like inviting people <laughs> that I like in studio. And you know, obviously, you have a professional capacity as a sports media person, but I don't know. I just think you're a, a good dude. I like most of your takes that aren't related to the Yankees. Or texas or the astros or i get a lot, i get that a lot hey you're the texas I, I have no problem with you being a really big fan of those i i just don't like getting let's say the astros happen to sweep the yankees this week of course this is like the worst freaking timing in the world because i invited Corey to come in studio and then i'm like wait a minute houston's playing the yankees right now and they win all three of those games um but we already agreed that you're not allowed to talk about that no i will studio. add though that, that you you called me well-rounded but some of the people who who especially know me in my life uh, thought that I was coming in here solely because I lost a bet, or you lost a bet to me. Oh, really? <laughs> because of the timing. Oh, the Astros oh, sweep the Yankees. God, That's yeah. why you got invited on. So. Still a lot of baseball left to play, uh, luckily. Uh, but you've been covering the Pacers now for a long time. You've seen them up close. I know more than I have. You know, some people make a joke about how I, I just make like two or three appearances a year at Banker's Life. It's a little bit tough with a two-year-old and everything like that. But uh, what do you think about this team here as they head into the postseason? Am I right in saying that – it's almost more of a relief when there are no expectations because then you're not ultimately not going to be disappointed by whatever the result ends up being. Yeah, expectations can be the worst sometimes. I, I did you see the Marcus Smart news? I did, of that. course. So yes. My my personal take on this is that whenever this team, the last two seasons, which to your point, in in my six seasons that I've covered them, I've never seen the team as glued together as they've been the last two seasons, um, and I almost feel as if the Vic injury in a strange way, given the way the end of the season has gone for them is kind of a, a good thing that happened to them from the standpoint of they now have another chip on their shoulder. Mm -hmm. And this team seems to operate pretty well when they have things that, Oh, you doubt us. You don't believe in us. People aren't talking about us. Um, while I think miles is the defensive player of the year and Sabonis should absolutely be in the six man conversation. They kind of have flown under the radar for the most part this season. No, you're, you're right about that. I think that's actually true, Corey, about all Indiana sports, where it, it's kind of a reflection of the people in Indiana, right, or, or Indianapolis. When we get the most phone calls, it's for the most ridiculous crap. Like, it's ESPN's power rankings had the Patriots in front of us. You know, it's stuff like that. And I think there is something about a – this is the Midwest, and people, this is flyover country, and people don't respect us, and it's all about L.A. and Chicago and New York and the, and the whole deal. I think that that translates to the Colts, too. When, when the Colts have had their best years, it's been the years like this one when no one's been – or 2012, right? Those are the most fun and rewarding – the Super Bowl year was great, too. Don't get me wrong. But th those were the, the really fun years when you're not really talking about them. I remember thinking five years ago right now the Pacers are the one seed, and it was almost like – uh, ripping your nails out when you're watching them play that first round series against Atlanta or Washington because you're like, this would be such a disaster if they lost this series. 
and even the Heat series where they were outplayed in six games, it was painful to watch. What I like about this one is that you can just kind of let it roll out there. If they get beat by the the Celtics in six games, so what? They got here. They won as many games as they did last year. They lost their best player halfway through the season. I don't think anybody can look back on that and be like, God, what a terrible season the 2018-19 season was. I often wonder what Pacers fans would do if they were favored. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, well, what card do you play? Uh, well, the if you go back, you mentioned 2014 when they lost in six to the Heat. LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade were very open about that there was, they had no business beating the Pacers uh, that, that playoff season. They thought the Pacers were better. Uh, that might be the one year I can ever recall somebody thinking that the Pacers were the team to yeah. beat. Um, it's always seemed like there's always been someone in their way. And I think the only disappointment for, for this season for the Pacers, if they get swept, if they lose in six or seven, if they get bounced at any point, the only disappointment is that this was a year where they don't really have someone in their way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Vic going out kind of soured the, wow, this really was. It's, it's almost like Reggie when Michael retired those two years, when you finally had this kind of open door to the NBA Finals, because everybody knows the Knicks obviously weren't that good in the 90s. And uh, Yeah, <laughs> thank you. No, but it, it, it reminds me of that. And the good thing is, is that for the foreseeable future, there's no towering talent that's going to come back to the East that's going to really be that, that you know, Mount Everest to climb. I mean, Vic will recover. Like you said, if they lose this year, it's not the end of the world. But if anything, you can look at it thinking that the door is open for the foreseeable future, and they have a young core. I think what's gotten – it's weird because you're right that you lose LeBron – or you don't have the Jordan, but you have more really good teams right now in the East than you did in those other years. Like who was remember in thirteen when they went to the conference finals, the two seed was the Carmelo Anthony Knicks. Yeah. And you're like with remember J.R. Smith had that really fluky season and you're like, Really? The Knicks? And now Milwaukee's really good, and they have probably the MVP of the league. Toronto's really good. They've got to prove it this time of year, which they always seem to fall on their face, but they're still really good. Boston's really talented. Philadelphia's loaded. And I I think it's almost like you you traded one thing for the other thing. Like, last year the East sucked, and but you still had LeBron. This year, the top of the East, the top four, I think is really good. It's much, much better than it was last year. Do you you get Western Conference fatigue and that you kind of get tired (laughs) about the – I, I mean, I for whatever reason, whatever the makeup is, other than the talent that's out there, obviously, it's always like the West, oh, but the West, oh. You look at the East this year, to your point, though, and I, I've had times this season where I'm like, outside of a big household name like LeBron, which for all, you know, all intents and purposes, each, both the West and the East have household names, but I'm saying the LeBron James stature of a player, what does the West have that the East doesn't? I mean, Giannis is in MVP conversations. The, the Sixers have been like everybody's, They've been fascinated with the Sixers for the past three seasons, watching them turn into what they are. Um, the Celtics, obviously, getting Gordon Hayward back this year, having Kyrie. I, I've, I've honestly thought this time, uh, this year, a few times, what does the West necessarily have that's not, or that's more threatening than the East? At the top, I would agree with you, but the depth and the bottom in the West is is much better. Like the last three playoff teams, OKC, Spurs, Clippers are way better than the Nets, Magic, and Pistons, who are all competent teams, but not that level. And I think you've got the Suns are really bad, right? But outside of that, who's the truly terrible team in the West, whereas the Cavs are terrible, the Knicks are terrible, the Bulls showed some signs of life, so did the Hawks, but those were both bad teams over the course of the year. But I agree with you. I 
you know, the talk like, well, if you throw Utah in the East, they'd be the top seed. No, I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, I think there were years in the past where you could say that, but I'm kind of with you as well. I, I think it all evens out. Remember in the 90s, it was um, the Bulls in the East were loaded, and it felt a couple of those years like the Eastern Conference Finals was the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just all cyclical, don't you? Yeah. And and, the, the, and Durant's going to leave, and so I think <laughs> I think that that's going to open things up. I, you mentioned how the the playoffs can be kind of tedious in the first round. I agree. You mentioned how the regular season's tedious. I I sometimes often enjoy for nothing more than the drama, the free agency period, almost as much as I enjoy oh, great. the first yeah. two rounds of the playoffs. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see people lose their minds over another, you know, LeBron situation, so to speak. If if KD does leave the Warriors. Um, or whatever else may happen. It's it's one of the more eventful things that don't you know so focus around a, an actual game being played. I think it's actually a problem for the NBA in the sense that the free agency period, and you know you go right into the draft right after the season. I think those two or three weeks have been more entertaining than what the NBA Finals have been mm-hmm. for the past couple of years. Outside of the big Cavs comeback, that was an epic NBA Finals. But really, outside of that, God. You know, the Warriors have been stomping people. The Spurs stomped the Heat. Remember in that last one? I mean, four out of the five last finals have been yeah. terrible. If you don't have the, the overcoming the 3-1 deficit, you got you got to go back several years to find yeah. something. I mean, if was... Draymond doesn't get suspended, then maybe we're not even having that conversation, right? We'll have more with Corey Elliott next. Uh, we'll look into this Pacers-Celtics series. How does Indiana win it? And some of the matchups that we're looking forward to in the playoffs outside of Indiana-Boston. When we continue, it's Quarry and Schultz, Fox Sports 97.5, 1260 AM. Quarry and Schultz, presented by the Good Feet Store, with locations in Fishers, Avon, and Greenwood. Want your voice to be heard? Dial us up now at 239-1260. This is Quarry and Schultz on Fox Sports 97.5 and 1260 AM. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got Corey Elliott's. AP and other bylines here in studio with us. We'll get back into the Pacers here in just a second, but just a quick rundown of the headlines if you're just joining us. Masters underway as we speak right now, round one, Thursday in Augusta. And if you're a Tiger fan, or you're kind of like me, I wouldn't call myself a Tiger fan, but I root for stories. And at this point, I don't even dislike Tiger anymore. I kind of want to see him win one because I think it'd be a great story for American sports. Uh, the good news is he's two under. He played a, a really good round today, shot a 70. The bad news is is that there are 44 golfers within three strokes of the lead, and there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys right now who are tied atop the leaderboard at three under. That includes Brooks Kepka, who's been on a hot streak, Dustin Johnson, who's one of the best in the world, Adam Scott as well, uh, John Rahm is up there. And some South African dude named Justin Harding, who I've never in my life heard of. But that's usually what happens with the Masters. Somebody that you've never heard of in your life leads after Thursday. Uh, NBA playoffs. All of the pairings are locked in stone with the regular season ending last night. Pacers ending it with a 135-134 win in Atlanta. Uh, Future NBA MVP Edmund Sumner with three (laughs) free throws at the very end. He pulled a Kyle Guy to win that game. Uh, Carson Edwards confirms he's staying in the NBA draft teammate Matt Harms requests an exploratory evaluation everybody calm down that's the least that he can do I think I I think all of these guys should declare go through the process and then even if they decide to come back just come back and then uh, in the WNBA draft Princeton native and Notre Dame grad Jackie Young goes number one she is the all-time 
girls basketball leading scorer, I believe, in the state. And all five Notre Dame starters were drafted. How about that in the first 19 picks? It's amazing. I mean, what a what a team. And they didn't even win the thing. Right. And, and they had all five of their starters drafted. Did you see uh, – I'm going to try to look up her name really quickly. I think she played for Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, Katie Lou Samuelson. The Larry Bird thing? <laughs> and she said that uh, she wears number 33 because Larry Bird's her, her favorite player ever. And it, it was a whole video, like, after the draft. He was like, you know, very – not that Larry was like being boring about it, but you could tell that he was doing something that someone had kind of said, "Hey, can you know you can you do this yeah. kind of thing?" It was a little bit awkward. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm sitting there going, "How is a 21 year old's favorite player Larry Bird?" Yeah, I don't know. I figured you would just <laughs> your favorite player would be the person that you grew up watching, right? So that that does surprise me sometimes when people say, like, it'd be like a kid now saying, a 20 year old now saying, "Well, Michael Jordan was my favorite player." Well, how would how would you know? Live on YouTube, right? I guess. I mean, you would have – your best memory of Jordan, if you're 20 right now, would be his Wizards days, if right? That. Yeah, because you'd been – I mean, you'd be seven, eight years old, I guess, for the for the shot over Russell and – For the most part, The whole yeah. deal. If you, if you were 20 right now, so 99, you'd have been born, so you wouldn't see – Oh, God, I'm not even thinking yeah. – I was thinking 89. Wow, no, I'm, 20, a, I'm an yeah. idiot. Because yeah. you, you, would, you would probably <laughs> – Barely. If you were thirty right now, you wouldn't even you would barely remember yeah. some of that. And I mean, I you know, I'm a uh, I would say my I, the the memories that I really can sink into when I think back on that is just at the the era of the the Reggie Knicks Rockets won in the championships and then the the back three championships the Bulls won. Yeah. So you if you were twenty right now, you might you wouldn't even have Wizards memories too yeah the first era that i really remember would have been the very end of lakers celtics into the bad boy pistons and then jordan and the three-peat and then all the all the knicks failures against the bulls and then reggie and the knicks and the whole deal it's, in, it's incredible that larry uh, bird's are favorite tell just, me if you, if you agree with this because you've you've covered sports and you've talked to a lot of these guys um the only time that i really kind of like you know if you talk if you have an interview with i don't know andrew luck or somebody like that don't get me wrong. It's cool. It's it's cool to get to do what we do and talk to these guys, and, and it never stops being cool no matter how many times you do it. But the only time that I really, like, feel something like it, it uh, you know, I, I get an emotional response is when I talk to people that I grew up watching. Like when we had Dominique Wilkins in studio, and, you know, Dominique Wilkins is a Hall of Famer, right? But he's not like Michael Jordan or anything. Right. But when Dominique Wilkins was in studio, like, I was giddy about it the whole week when I knew he was coming because, you know, Dominique Wilkins right. – 88, 89, or whatever when I was coming up, that, those were like the first, one of the first stars that I really remember watching. Those are the guys that it still means something to me to to talk to, whereas, you know, you talk to like Paul George and you're like, dude, you were born like 10 years after I was. It's just, right. it's not the same. Yeah. Um, I got two stories on this really quick because the first one's more of an interview. Mm-hmm. It, well, okay, I'll put it, it wasn't an interview. It was, there was a moment when Peyton had his jersey retired or his number retired and had the whole thing at Lucas Oil against the Titans or whatever a few years ago where I got to stand on the field to take some video for the AP. Uh, so Mike Merritt, who's kind of like the guy I report to, kind of impromptu was like, hey, middle of the second quarter, I need you down there. So I'm like, I'm down there. I'm waiting in the tunnel. They come. They get us. They start bringing us out. Guys walking up to the stage. And it, it took me about three minutes into that where I'm like, dude, you, you grew up to, to myself. 11 miles, 13 miles south of here in Greenwood, mm-hmm. watching this dude just tear up the NFL. And he's standing on the field on the day that he gets honored into the Colts Ring of Honor and have his, has his number retired. 
that was kind of my my only pinch me moment was just the if you think about that how how crazy time works that nine years ago I was watching him as a you know just a regular person and I'm standing here at one of the biggest moments of his career um, so that was odd the second one Pacers game three years ago playoffs two years ago uh, it's on TNT and you know the media room in, the, in Baker's life and there's that bathroom in that hallway yeah uh, I'm standing there going to the restroom. And uh, here comes somebody whistling, stands right next to me. It's Reggie Miller. And I'm like in the middle of urinating. There are two urinals. There are two urinals. Not, <laughs> not to get too graphic, but just to kind of give you a, a visualization in your mind. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible. I'm zipping up and turning to go wash my hands. And he kind of looks at my credential and goes, Corey Elliott, Associated Press. And just continues to pee. And I'm like standing there washing my hands. And he comes over and washes his hands. And I just am like um, trying to – you're in this moment where you can't be certain things when you're in the media, right? You yeah. can't be like, hey, Reggie, I just want to let you know, Or man. at the urinal, yes. <laughs> yeah, the that's urinal. right. Yes, there's a code that's associated with that as well. So there's this moment where I'm like, how do you tell <laughs> Reggie Miller that you've been watching him since you were like old enough to – know how to dribble a basketball mm-hmm. and then there's the professional part where you're like you can't tell him anything and then there's the human part where you're like you're in a bathroom and it's probably even deeper that you can't say anything to him so i wait till i get out in the hallway and he's kind of walking and i'm just like i let out this really awkward you glad glad to be back oh <laughs> wow he just turns around and goes huh and i go you glad you like coming back to india i bet and he just goes yeah man love indy and turns and walks and then i proceed to the media room to punish myself for five minutes yeah. in silence that but you know what you said something <laughs> Yeah. You did say something. Yeah. It may have been awkward and weird, but the flow of the conversation was in the moment at the urinal. I just didn't feel comfortable yeah. in that setting. So, yeah, that is that. That's cool though to have <laughs> Reggie Miller at the urinal. Yeah, that's never happened with me. When when I had Patrick Ewing on, when we talked to him at the Final Four, we knew we were going to get him that day. So I had kind of mentally prepared for what I wanted to say, and I just said I didn't want to fanboy out, but I said. I can't tell you how much your career means to me. It's true. (laughs) And and it sounds so cheesy and corny, but I had all the posters and I mean, he was my Mickey Mantle and it's everyone has that. Everyone listening right now has that. Maybe a lot of people probably listening right now with Reggie was theirs. Yeah. Uh, Or, you know, George McGinnis or Mel Daniels or Peyton Manning or, you know, whoever, AJ Foyt, whoever it ended up being. You're one of the few people I've come across, though, in this business that are very conscious of the – and it sounds, honestly, like both you and Jake, when you tell certain stories, that you are very conscious of the, the the line in the sand that is there for when you have the credential on, or at least when you're in this role, to what you can and can't say. And a lot of times, you know, like I know for a while, Jake's Twitter profile was like, no, I can't get you tickets. Like, yeah. That's the first thing people think is you just have this unlimited <laughs> supply of tickets that just like, I they, wish. <laughs> Corey, here's your credential and here's 17 season tickets for, you know, it's like, yeah. that's not how it works. The second thing is that the question you asked is more on a professional level, but I've had a lot of people that are like, Hey, so, you know, when you, when you get done interviewing these guys, like, what do you talk about to them? Like, what do you talk about with them? And so like one of the things they always see on TV is kind of the scrum waiting or on Twitter, yeah, the yeah, scrum yeah. waiting for them to get to their yeah. locker. Right. So I had a friend one time that thought there's like this, kind of like three minute period where we ask questions and then people just linger and like chat with these guys. Yeah, I'm like, just hang no. out. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I'm like, no, you, we, we ask questions and then it's kind of like, you know, get the heck out of here kind of thing. A wise, wise person, a media vet, I'm not going to say who, uh, but is still local in this town, told me when I was first interning that the best thing about this job is the outside perception of what your job is. <laughs> Because people think, like, I, I, some, I went back to Connecticut. I don't go back very much anymore because my parents moved out here. But um, 
I, I was actually at a Yankees game, and I met up with a high school friend and then another guy who wasn't really in my group in high school, but I knew him, and, and we graduated together in the whole deal. And he goes to me, so Schultz, you like you like barbecue with Peyton Manning and stuff, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, that is exactly what I do. Like, just let him think that. That's great that people think that. It's obviously completely false. But he wasn't being a jerk. He genuinely no, he thought like, that. Yeah, he thinks that you, like, hang out with the players. And I love that people have that perception that this is the job. It's very cool. You get to do a lot of cool stuff. I'm not saying that it's not cool. But um, I think people have a warped view of what yeah. it is. And just like anything else, there are some days where I'm like, God, I don't want to deal with Query today. And <laughs> the, I, the number one I thing I'm yeah. sick, you know, um, but 95% of the time, I love it. The, the number sure one question I get is, or not question, but I guess the number one kind of similar to barbecue with Peyton is, hey, hey, it's, it's always like I run into somebody I know who follows me on Twitter or whatever it might be, or maybe they just know me through the, the grapevine of, you know, they, they graduated two years from younger than me in, in high school. So we know the same people, but they always have like somebody else with them. That's more of a fringe outlier person in my mm-hmm. life. Maybe I don't know them or maybe I kind of know them or whatever. And they always seem to like flag them over. If I'm out for like someone's birthday at brothers or Kilroy's, or if we're at the mall, like the first thing somebody will say, if they run into me, like, Hey, hey come here. He, he interviews LeBron James. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, like they saw me one time post a LeBron James soundbite. Yeah. So now they think like LeBron and I have weekly interviews or something. Of course, yeah, <laughs> that's that's exactly how it goes. Two, three, nine, twelve, sixty. We'll get back into the Pacers and Celtics. Talk about this series, the Marcus Smart injury, how that weighs in, and also look around the league. I, I think there's some other really good first round matchups. The problem is, is that it takes a month to decide the first round, as Sam was saying earlier. But we'll talk about that with Corey as we continue in studio. It's Corey and Schultz, Fox Sports ninety seven five. Quarry and Schultz, presented by the Good Feet Store, with locations in Fishers, Avon, and Greenwood. They'd make the best NBA Jam team ever. You're listening to Quarry and Schultz on Fox Sports 97.5. So the Pacers and Celtics will get going on Sunday. One o'clock start, which is great. I love the afternoon basketball games. I'm an NBA on NBC 90s guy, John Tesh. Uh, and I think we knew that it was going to be Sunday because Scott Agnes had tweeted out of the Athletic that the Bruins have a Saturday night game, so obviously they weren't going to double book up the TD Garden. And uh, I'm just approaching this kind of like I said, Corey. I don't. I'm not expecting the Pacers to win. I think that they can be competitive. I hope they can be competitive. I would just like to see them make it difficult for Boston. And you subtract Smart from the equation. That obviously helps. He strikes me kind of as their Thad Young. He's kind of like their heart and hustle guy. Um, but I, I don't think it's outrageous to think that the Pacers could win this series. I don't see it happening, but I don't think it's a pipe dream. I'm not. It, it reminds me a lot of last year, even though I, obviously they had a better chance to win that series because the Cleveland team was worse than, than this team. Um, but it wouldn't completely floor me if they, they won the series, but the way they've played the last six weeks against good competition, I just, I'm not confident they can win four out of seven. I'm not shocked if they win it, but the one thing that jumped out to me, I think it was the game you were at against Oklahoma City. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, we we were sitting there in the media row, and it had come up about, I think you had said that reality is kind of sinking in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because they went on this stretch where it was like, wow, look at what they're doing without Vic. Yeah. It was kind of like watching a child start to ride a bike without training wheels. And, they, and he's got it for like a good six seconds, and then he comes around that turn where he doesn't really know how to balance himself around a turn, yeah. and he just wipes out. <laughs> and that was kind of the – and then lo and behold, they come back and beat Oklahoma City in that game. But I did actually go back and look at it, and it was almost like I was so 
enthralled with just the culture of the locker room and how well they were playing that I didn't really stop and look at the opponents. And when I started to pay attention, you go on that Western road trip, you don't win one. And you start looking at how they struggled with Oklahoma City. And you start realizing these teams, you know, they lose to Boston twice in a week. It's like, not that the honeymoon is over, but it's just one of those things that they can certainly beat Boston. But what do you really get beyond that? Where you're, you're kind of hanging the the victory of this season post Vic on, hey, we beat Boston and no one said we could because I don't think they can beat whatever team awaits them in the second round. No, but wouldn't that feel like an accomplishment that they? Oh yeah, they would have gone. They would have won as many games as they did last year, and they would have gone farther in the the playoffs against, albeit no LeBron. But against a better team, nobody's going to argue that this this Celtics team is a better team than last year's Cavs team. I don't even yeah. think it's close. Yeah. So, I I think it's so weird now because in 2019 it's become like get to the Final Four, win a championship, or you suck. Right? Get to the World Series, win a pennant, or or else you're falling well short. And I feel like I could still appreciate when you set reasonable goals or rational goals for a team and they accomplish that goal. Like, getting to the Elite Eight, to me, would have been great for Purdue to get to the Final Four, sure. Getting to the Elite Eight is an accomplishment. They haven't been there in 20 years. I think winning a first-round series, even though at the end of the day, whatever, it's a first-round series, without Vic is actually a really big deal for this team. That's how I would approach it. Now, I'm not saying that the fan base would approach it that way, but I think it'd be great if they're they're not favored in this series for them to come out and win it, and I think that would prove something. Well, they they get themselves in a situation where if they if they do manage to win this series, then now you've got this team that loves to play the you know, the chips are down role, and now they're like, hey, no one thought we'd do that. No one's yeah. gonna think we can. I mean, so maybe you build momentum on. Look, we just did this with Boston, or but, you get swept by Philly, or you right? get swept by Philly. But, <laughs> but I, again, I just keep going back to the biggest thing that, and to your point, the what have or you I done? Guess they for, play, sorry, they play Milwaukee next. Um, yeah, in the four they, five. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, but in, in the what have you done for me lately era that we live in, where like you mentioned Astros, Yankees. Mm. Think about how Yankees fans have to feel right now. It's been ten years since they've been to the World Series. Like that's a thing. That's a headline yeah. that I keep seeing. Right. Yeah. So expectations have seemingly, you know, the window for, well, it was a good season, has shrunk now. But I think for the Pacers, do I think they'll win the first round? No. If they win it, could they ride some sort of momentum? Sure. But the biggest thing is if they win the first round, these guys get to get to spend the summer going, look what we did without Vic. Mm-hmm. Imagine when he comes back. Yeah. And imagine if you do retain a Collison for another year or a Thad for another year and you keep the nucleus intact. I mean, it's... That's, that's the thing, though. Yeah, You know, you say the guys are looking, hey, look at what we did here. How many of those guys are back, right? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be different. You're going to lose year. some of it's them. It's different every year, of course. Yeah. But they, I think when I watch this team, the more that I watch them, I think, okay, I don't think Corey Joseph will likely be a guy that's brought back because Aaron, you know, Holiday is going to Tyreek win. will be brought yeah. back. Yeah, Tyreek yeah. for sure. But I, the more I've watched this team, and especially when Collison was out for those few games, I'm like, they, I think they need him for another year. Yeah, I think he's a guy along with Thad that you don't really hurt yourself in bringing him back. I think DC is a seat warmer for Aaron Holiday, and once yep. Holiday's ready, then you you let yep. Collison move on. So, I mean, for for the most part, and and I kind of see similarities in both the Colts and the Pacers in that they've they've kind of really um, embraced this. We're not gonna, you know, shoot from the hip here. We're gonna be very methodical in how we plan these rosters. And it's not going to include going and getting a big name for the sake of a big name. Mm-hmm. So that's where I get to the point of if they could just get to seven against a team, like you said, that's better than last year's Cleveland, or even win in the first round, move to the second round, you probably bring some of those guys back and you get to spend the summer going, holy cow, we get Vic back. 
And it's not like a, okay, your star was out. How's it going to be when he gets back in? We've seen what this team is like with him. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they won 48 with the majority of those coming, for the most part, after Vic went down with that injury is, tells you a lot about this squad. So it, it's it's going to give them a lot to spend the summer to think on and build on, that's for sure. For sure, yeah. And I just think you have to set reasonable goals. And a reasonable goal for this team without Vic was to hope to win a playoff series. It's a lot like Texas football, Corey. You know, winning the Sugar Bowl is the pinnacle. They're not going to ever get better than that. They're not going to win a natty or anything like that. You know, winning 10 games and winning a, a semi-meaningless Sugar Bowl against a Georgia team that wasn't even interested in being there, that's kind of what you're left wanting to do. Not everybody can claim the early 1900s Titanic-era championships. That's right. Hey, there were eight teams in 1908. We yeah. played four of them over a two-month span, uh, and we beat them all. We National champs. You know who does that more yeah. than anybody is well, Michigan. Well, in Pitt. Yeah, they have like twelve. It's between... ridiculous. There, it, there are some teams that claim every time that they've ever been named a champion, and Pitt is one of those. Well, you have your era of voted in, like like in the '60s. At least you got to play one versus two in a bowl game. Yeah, there's teams that are like claiming national titles before prohibition ended. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. So yeah. there there'd be forty different polls, and out of the forty, thirty nine would have said you're not number one, and one of them did. So yeah. BC claims one like that. Where BC was one poll, who knows what it is. Butler's got a banner hanging at Hinkle that's like Philadelphia Athletes of America, named them national cha- I'm dead serious. Named them national champs in like 1924 or something. It's a – sorry, I didn't expect to get down that track. No, but it's, it's fine. A, I was just trying to take a shot at Texas. That's all I was trying to do. I'm going to go to the playoff next uh, You got time to hang out for a couple more minutes? Yeah. We yeah. got a 60-second here. We'll come back one more minute with Corey. We'll wrap and then get into the uh, Indian sneak peek with Howard Kelman. Tribe, home opener tonight. It's going to be nice and toasty at Victory Field, which is weird for April in Indiana. Back with more next. It's Corey and Schultz.